You may be seated. I want to say thanks for being here with us. My name is Matt Rawlings, one of the pastors here. We are grateful that um, you would join together with us, that um, you would worship Jesus. Um, we are not here to, to worship ourselves. We're not here to edify ourselves uh, talking about how good we are. We want to declare the goodness of Jesus because he's given all of his goodness to us. And so we sing, we rejoice in his goodness. We rejoice in who Jesus is and what he's done for us. It makes all the difference. Um, thanks for being here not only this morning, but thanks for, for everyone who came out. Yesterday we had a church work day, and many of you came out and did all kinds of stuff from cutting up a tree that was on the back parking lot, putting up new exit signs, um, doing all kinds of things, patching holes, um, fixing all kinds of things. So thank you for those of you who came out yesterday. We are grateful. It was so good to see the church body gathering together, supporting each other, and just doing the work of ministry. So thank you for being the church and for being an example of being servants of Jesus who just serve and love one another through your witness, through how you do things. So thank you very much. Turn your Bible to John chapter 10. We have been in the book of John, in case this is your first Sunday here. We've been in the book of John for several months now. We're continuing in the book of John. We believe that, that God speaks to us through his word uniquely. Although this word was given 2,000 some years ago, this word is fresh for us today. And we believe that his word is the the only source of authority for our lives. It is the sole source of authority. It is what we need to follow, put our hope and our trust in. So turn in your Bibles to John chapter 10. We'll be continuing John chapter 10 verses 1 through 21. This is God's holy inspired word for us today. And we haven't done this for a while because we're meeting outside, but I'm going to ask everybody to stand for the reading of God's word. We don't do this just to be ceremonial, but we want to stand to say, Lord, your word is preeminent. Your word has all authority. So let's stand and honor God's holy word as we read it today. Truly, truly, I say to you, he who does not enter the sheepfold by the door, but climbs in by another way, that man is a thief and a robber. But he who enters by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. To him, the gatekeeper opens. The sheep hear his voice and he calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. When he has brought out all his own, he goes before them and the sheep follow him for they know his voice. A stranger they will not follow, but they will flee from him for they do not know the voice of strangers. This figure of speech Jesus used with them, but they did not understand what he was saying to them. So Jesus again said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. All who came before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not listen to them. I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. He who is a hired hand and not a shepherd who does not own the sheep sees the wolf coming and leaves the sheep and flees, and the wolf snatches them and scatters them. He flees because he's a hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. I am the good shepherd. I know my own, and my own know me. Just as the Father knows me, and I know the Father, and I lay down my life for the sheep, and I have other sheep that are not of this fold. I must bring them also, and they will listen to my voice. So there will be one flock, one shepherd. For this reason, the Father loves me, because I lay down my life that I may take it up again. No one takes it from me. 
but I lay it down of my own accord. I have authority to lay it down, and I have authority to take it up again, this charge I have received from my father. There was again a division among the Jews because of these words. Many of them said, he has a demon and is insane. Why listen to him? Others said, these are not the words of one who's oppressed by a demon. Can a demon open the eyes of the blind? This is God's word. You may be seated. Let's pray. Jesus, thank you for sharing these words for us that are ever timely. These words for us that are not bound by time, but are timeless in truths that will keep us grounded if we hear from you. Jesus, enable us to understand your words, to apply them to our own hearts. I pray that we would see that you are the only good shepherd, that we would follow only you, that we would look to you as our only hope, and that we would rejoice that you, the good shepherd, you've given your life for us, and you've raised again, and we are raised and seated with you. I pray that by your Holy Spirit, you would give us all the ability to hear your words, to understand them, that you would give me grace to preach. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, as some of you are aware, and I'm guessing if you are 18 and over, you're aware, we had a national election in in the last week or so, and uh, for the office of the President of the United States where we live, along with that election, there were an election of a whole bunch of other leaders at the local and state and federal governments, and all those running for office, regardless of political party, they all made grand promises, didn't they? Everyone running for promise. There was, there was I mean, no, everyone from running for office made promises, and, and, and ultimately, really, if you start to unpack a lot of the promises that we heard, none of those promises can fulfill Um, None of those promises can really sustain us. None of those promises are ones that really can be kept, no matter who's in office. And despite that, this election, like many others, was cast as, as really the election that would decide our fates, the time that would make us or break us as a country and as a people for good. And, And over the past while, there's been a term thrown out for people who, who follow along with the crowd who go along with others and it's been used derogatorily and it's the word sheep. Some people have called those they deemed simply to be following the crowd sheep. And it's not meant positively, it's meant to mock. But the Bible tells us that we really are. We are sheep. We're going to actually embrace that. We really are a bunch of sheep. And one of the first realities that we're going to see from this passage is not only are we sheep, but we have a shepherd, and it's none of the people that were on the ballot. We have sheep, and we have a shepherd, and thanks be to God, it's none of the people on the ballot, no matter who won or lost. We have sheep. We are sheep, but we have a shepherd. Now, I don't mean that we're meant to follow any earthly leader blindly. That's, that's not what is meant by the fact that the Bible calls us sheep. We're not meant to just go along with the crowd or what's popular. We shouldn't believe any wolf or politician tells us. Throughout the Old Testament, both God's um, both, both God and his people, they compare themselves to sheep. The psalmist in Psalm 95 says, For he is our God, and we are the people of his pastures, the sheep of his hand, or sheep. 
Psalm 103 says, Know that the Lord, he is God. It is he who made us and we are his. We are his people, the sheep of his pasture. That's our hope as believers in Jesus Christ. Is when Jesus is talking to the people, he is letting them know God's people are his sheep. Jeremiah the prophet declared, Jeremiah 56 says, My people, not only the sheep, he says they've been lost sheep. And here's the problem. Their shepherds have led them astray. So not only we're like sheep, we're like lost sheep, and we've been led astray. And in fact, Isaiah tells us that all we like sheep, in Isaiah 53, 6, all we like sheep have gone astray. And here's why we've gone astray, because everyone has turned to his own way. We think we know the way, but we don't. We're sheep. We think we have the right answers on our own, but that's always gotten mankind into trouble. Whenever we try to find solutions on our own to our problems as humanity, whenever we try to to figure out the right way to go apart from God, we go our own way and we become lost, seeking our own way. From Adam on, seeking our own way doesn't lead to God, it leads away from God. Doesn't lead to good pastures, it leads away from good pastures. So yes, we're sheep, and we're sheep that have all gone astray, thinking we can find the way to the pasture we need on our own. And here's the other thing. We think that human shepherds are going to be the ones to point us to pasture, and we were never meant to look that way. We were never meant that. We were meant to be thinking individuals. We have choices. We have real choices, and we're meant to make those choices based on God's truth, the truth of his word guided by the principles that God gives to us. But ultimately, here's the thing. You and I, we are dependent creatures. That's how God has made us. We're not meant to be self-sufficient. Everything in our lives points us to that fact. If you look around you at the animal kingdom, we are different from that. We don't have fur to cover our bodies. We don't have scales. We don't have um, thick skin to keep us protected. We're vulnerable. You know, we are one of the frailest creatures on the earth. We're vulnerable. We don't have horns or some kind of physical trait to use as offensive weapons. We don't have any natural defensive capabilities. Like sheep, we need a shepherd. We're meant to be reminded day by day that we are vulnerable and we need a protector. We're vulnerable. We need a shepherd. And not just any shepherd. We need a good shepherd. One that truly knows us and knows what we need and, and doesn't try to feed us something we were never meant to eat. Because we often go and try to eat things that were never meant to satisfy us. We go and drink from polluted waters. We need a good shepherd to show us the way to the pasture we need. We need a shepherd who won't mislead us or harm us, or keep, but to keep us safe and give us life. What kind of shepherd are you looking for? Do you know your sheep? Are you embracing that? And then are you looking for a shepherd to lead you? Because both those things are necessary if you're going to hear Jesus' words. To embrace the fact that you are sheep and you're meant to be his sheep, but you're also meant to look to him as the shepherd. We're not sheep that we've been left alone. He's not expecting us to follow just any shepherd. We're sheep who've been given a shepherd. These first two verses tell us that we've been given a shepherd. We've not just been given a shepherd. We've been given a good 
shepherd, the good shepherd. Back in the New Testament times, a community, they would, they would gather together and because shepherding was an intensive, labor-intensive, time-bound job, they would, they would hire someone to watch the sheep at night. So the shepherds was 24-7. The shepherds would watch the sheep during the day. And, and so they would, they would pay somebody to construct a sheep pen or a sheep fold. would have higher walls. And all the shepherds from the area, they would bring the sheep into the sheep fold at night. And they would put their sheep fold in there at night. And then the only legitimate way to get into that sheep fold was through the door. And a gatekeeper would guard the door to the sheepfold. All the sheep of the community around would be brought into this sheepfold. And, and those who did not belong would be rejected. Anybody who tried to come in and take the sheep, they would be rejected. And, and entry was only given to legitimate shepherds. The one who was a legitimate shepherd of the sheep was the one who was given access to the sheep. And Jesus is telling the people that are listening to him, he says, I am the only legitimate shepherd. I am the good shepherd. I am the shepherd the gatekeeper lets in. And he's using a metaphor here to speak of God being the gatekeeper to allow access to God's people, to the people of God's pasture, to those who God has drawn to himself. And Jesus says, the gatekeeper opens to me and me alone. I'm the only legitimate shepherd. Israel had had many bad shepherds throughout their history. God knew that. And in fact, in, in Ezekiel, he sent word to tell his people what he was going to do about that, about all the, the various shepherds that had led people astray, that had been self-seeking, that had really only put themselves out there because they wanted to elevate their own identity. They wanted to be powerful. They wanted to accrue wealth. They were self-seeking. Ezekiel 34 says, my sheep were scattered. They wandered all over the mountains and on every high hill. My sheep were scattered all over the face of the earth with none to search or seek for them. Therefore, you shepherds, hear the word of the Lord. As I live, declares the Lord God, because surely because my sheep have become a prey, my sheep have become food for all the wild beasts since there was no shepherd. And because my shepherds have not searched for my sheep, but the shepherds have fed themselves and have not fed my sheep. Therefore, you shepherds, hear the word of the Lord. Thus says the Lord God, behold, I'm against the shepherds, and I will require my sheep at their hand and put a stop to their feeding the sheep. No longer shall the shepherds feed themselves. I will rescue my sheep from their mouths that they may not be food for them. Skip down to verse 14. God speaks of the remedy. He says, I will feed them with good pasture. And on the mountain heights of Israel shall be their grazing land. They shall lie down in good grazing land and on rich pasture. They shall feed on the mountains of Israel. Here's why. He says, I myself will be the shepherd of my sheep. And I myself will make them lie down, declares the Lord God. I will seek the lost and I will bring back the strayed. I will bind up the injured. I will strengthen the weak. And the fat and the strong I will destroy. I will feed them in justice. Then a few verses later, God declared in, in verse 22 of Ezekiel 34, he says, I will rescue my flock. They shall no longer be a prey. And I will judge between sheep and sheep, and I will set up over them one shepherd, 
my servant David, and he shall feed them. He shall feed them and be their shepherd. And I, the Lord, will be their God. And my servant David shall be prince among them. I am the Lord. I have spoken. Now, Ezekiel, he knew he wasn't writing about the specific person, David, but he was writing about the ultimate David, the ultimate shepherd. And God was speaking of the one who would be set up over them to feed them. The one who would be prince or ruler among them. The one who would keep them from being a prey. And the gatekeeper only has given access to one such shepherd. He says that Jesus is the good shepherd. Jesus is this ultimate shepherd. He's the true fulfillment of God's promise. He's the true Davidic shepherd. And the good news this passage teaches us is that not only are we sheep, God has given us a good shepherd. And here's the thing. He's good because he's not distant. He's not impersonal. We have a shepherd who knows us personally. Not only are we sheep and we have a shepherd, we have a shepherd who knows us personally. Maybe you have come here today and you feel like you can't relate to anybody else here. Maybe you feel like people don't know you. Maybe you feel like you're the odd one out, like you don't have friends, you don't have anybody who knows you and understands you, you don't have anybody who's coming from your perspective who gets you. Well, one of the things you need to know is that most of us feel that way from time to time. But here's something better than that. You see, that, that's kind of, you know, misery loves company. That might make you feel a little bit better, even if you don't truly believe that. But here's the thing that's better than that to hang on to. Not only do most people feel that way, here's, here's a better thing. We have a shepherd who does know us. We're not unknown. We're not nameless. We are not friendless. We are not left helpless. We are not left with someone who cannot relate to us. We have a shepherd who knows us personally. Look in verses 3 to 5 and and then verses 14 and 15. We have a shepherd who knows us personally. My worst boss. Anybody here ever had a bad boss? Now, you don't have to say who it is, but anybody here ever had a bad boss before? Raise your hand if you ever, ever had a bad boss. Ever. The rest of you are really fortunate. I don't necessarily believe you, but the rest of you are really fortunate. God's been kind, but I had a bad boss. My, my, perhaps my worst boss was back in, in 1993, and it was somebody who never took an interest in me. They didn't care about me. They didn't care who I was. She didn't try to get to know me or my strengths, my weaknesses. You know, the, we had done all these personality tests that were really popular in the 90s. They've come back again 20 years later. And these tests were supposed to be about, you know, your boss understanding your strengths and your weaknesses and helping you grow in your weaknesses and helping you put your strengths to work. And that was just really all lost on her. There was no time. She didn't try to spend time with me, develop me. She only pointed out what was wrong, never what I did that was good. She only seemed interested in how things affected her and reflected on her. You ever had a boss like that? My second boss, my second worst boss, not my second boss, but my second worst boss, is somebody who claimed to be interested in me, but he always seemed to have an agenda. He, he always seemed to be working some angle, and I could never figure out what it was. He, he meddled in our group's affairs. You know, I had a team, I had managers, I had a group I was, I was managing, but really, 
He seemed to always second-guess things, took credit for our group and our successes. He, he was really a political operative, playing the field, currying favor, looking to advance the corporate ladder. I didn't have a personal relationship with either boss, and I didn't have a good relationship with either one. In ancient Israel, every good shepherd knew his sheep. Every shepherd would know their sheep. They would spend a lot of time with their sheep. They would know them one-on-one. They would know them personally. They would know their flock. They would know the characteristics of the sheep. They would know their traits, even some funny things about them. Jesus tells us that he is the kind of shepherd who calls his own sheep by name, and he leads them out. He says that his sheep, look down in in verse 3, it says, the sheep hear his voice, and he calls his own shepherd by name and leads them out. This is not an impersonal relationship. This is not a distant relationship. He knows each of his sheep by name, and he calls them out. You know, the shepherds, what they would do is they would come up to the gatekeeper and they would, they would gain entry into the sheepfold. And then if it was the whole community being gathered, um, multiple shepherds would stand outside the gate and they would all have their unique call and they would uniquely call and their sheep alone would come out because their sheep would know their voice because they were so intimately related. They, they knew each other. The shepherd knew the sheep. The sheep knew the shepherd. And the ones who maybe didn't come out right away, he'd like say, come out long ears or come out whatever the name of the sheep might have. I love that Jesus actually gave personal names to his disciples, you know, calling Peter a rock, calling James and John jokingly the sons of thunder. You know, he has individual names for each and every one. I love how R.C. Sproul puts it. He says, in calling to his sheep, the shepherd doesn't merely utter a general cry for all of his lambs to come. Instead, he calls them by name. He has such deep love for and knowledge of his sheep that he calls for them individually. And, and notice what else it says, that the sheep know him even before he calls them. And when the sheep who belong to the shepherd to hear his call, they respond to him and go out of the sheepfold to the shepherd. If you have responded to Jesus, to his call, then you are his sheep. The question is, have you responded? Do you hear him calling you? If so, you're his sheep. In verse 4, it says, when he's brought all of his own out, he goes before them. And the sheep follow him, for they know his voice. The sheep didn't belong to the shepherd. They would ignore his voice. And the shepherd, he would gather all the sheep together. And not like shepherds you see on TV where this, this dog is driving them. That's not the way a Middle Eastern shepherd used to lead the sheep. That's not the way that Jesus leads. He goes out ahead. The sheep follow the shepherd. He calls to them. He speaks to them. He they follow him to the pastures where he led them because they recognize his voice. It says in verse 5, a stranger they will not follow, but they will flee from him. It's been said that at times in the Middle East, they would, they would try to steal the clothes of the shepherd to pretend to be a shepherd and put those clothes on and, and try to give those calls. But the sheep would not go to the strangers because it wasn't their voice. It wasn't the voice of the shepherd. 
they would follow their own shepherd and run from the voice of a stranger. You don't have to wonder, will I really hear Jesus? Do I really know him? If you compare him and and the voice you hear to the voice we see in scriptures, you can discern, is this the voice of the shepherd? And follow the voice you see and hear in scripture. Here's the wonderful thing. Look down at verse 14. Skip down for a little bit. He says, not only does he know us personally, he says, I am the good shepherd. I know my own and my own know me. You need to hear today that if you have placed your faith in Jesus, if you have have decided to follow him to be his disciple, then Jesus, the eternal son of God, infinitely more valuable than any person, he says, he's the good shepherd and he knows you. He knows you. He knows my own, and my own know me. There is an intimate personal relationship that is being spoken of here that it's mutual, it's personal. He's not aloof. He's not a distant leader. He's not barely aware. No, he knows each and every one who has been called by his name. He knows your strengths. He knows your weaknesses. He knows your faults. He knows your desires. He knows what you really need and what you don't need. He knows the things you think you need are not the things you really need. He knows exactly what it is that you need to be fed with. He knows the kind of drink that you need. He knows us far better than we know ourselves, including the worst parts of us. And get this, he still loves us. He still loves his sheep. He knows his own and his own know him. And then look at verse 15. Just as the Father. Here's how well Jesus knows you. Just as the Father knows me and I know the Father, there's an unencumbered, completely flawless knowing that Jesus and the Father have. That's how Jesus knows you. He sees through all of your stuff. He sees through all your pretense And he knows you, and he doesn't reject you. Here's the thing that he does. Look in the latter half of verse 15. It says, and I lay down my life for the sheep. That's astounding. If I knew me, if I really knew all of my junk, all of my weakness, all the things I think that are not good, how my mind wanders all the time, how I'm fickle, how I'm full of so many faults. If I really knew that, if you really knew who I was, you wouldn't want to lay down your life for me. Maybe you feel that way about Jesus. Maybe you feel like if he really knew me, if he knows all my stuff, then then he wouldn't want to be with me. He wouldn't want me. And he says, no, I've chosen you. I've called you. And here's the thing. I'm laying my life down for you. His sheep know him and he knows them. And he lays down his life for the sheep. We need to be known in order to be cared for and led well. No political leader knows you or cares about you personally. I don't care how good they are. Even the best leader in the country cannot know every person in their constituency. But we have a better leader. We have one who knows us personally. He knows exactly how we were made because he made us. He knows all our thoughts, all the things in your head. He knows all the doubts you have right now. He knows all your skepticism. He knows everything we say and do. He knows us and sees us for who we are. 
He knows the diet we need, the needs for safety, for security, and he's eminently qualified to lead us to the places we need. Now, the people didn't get what he was talking about. It tells in verse 6, they didn't understand these metaphors he was using. So he, he picks up the same metaphors, but uses them differently now. Where before he entered into the door of the Jesus that God allowed him to come into the sheepfold. Now he, he uses the same metaphors, but uses them very differently. Puts them in different terms, ways they can understand. In verses 7 to 10, Jesus was trying to get his disciples, his hearers, to understand that not only we sheep, we have him as our shepherd, and that he's the kind of shepherd who knows us personally, but we have a shepherd who is the only way to the places that we need. He's the only way to the places that we need. Imagine for a moment that you really were a sheep. Would, would not be such a great life. But imagine you were really a sheep, and yet you had a shepherd that could not lead you to pasture. You're dependent on that shepherd. Sheep are dependent creatures. And it is said that if they get turned over on their backs, and they roll around, and they try to right themselves, they can actually become what's called cast. And they can't right themselves. Sheep need help. They won't eat the right food. We had some friends, they had some, they had some uh, sheep, and, and somehow they got into a pasture where there was food that they didn't need to eat, should not have been eating, and it made them sick, and the sheep almost died. And apparently there's some kind of grass locally that it changes in the fall, and it becomes something they can't eat, and, and neither the shepherd, the people who were watching the sheep, or the sheep knew that. So imagine we had a shepherd who could not lead us to good pasture. They'd be a lousy shepherd. Now think for a moment, what political leader can lead you to good pasture? If a shepherd didn't know the land where we could get good food and what food was best for us, it would be awful. We'd be sick, malnourished, emaciated, and weak and feeble. If the shepherd didn't know where the clean water was, we'd die of thirst or we'd drink from whatever polluted puddle we can find. And that's what we often do. We go astray our own way. We drink polluted puddles. We eat the food we think is best, and it turns out it's going to make us sick. So Jesus tells him he's the only way. He says, I'm the door. Now, he's not mean, literally meaning he's, he's wood, but he's the door. He is the only way in and out of, of God's people. He's the only way into God. He's the only way into God's presence, the only way into God's people, and he's also the only way in and out to good pasture. He's the door. He's the only way to become a part of God's people and have a shepherd that cares for you personally. He says, I'm the door. He says, all who came before me are thieves and robbers, and he is being pointed here. He is actually referencing the previous chapter, the Pharisees, they claim to see, and he says, no, you're really blind. You don't have any clue what the way is. And he says, and everybody who's come before me, they're thieves and robbers, and the sheep didn't listen to them. The reason why, because they're thieves and robbers. They didn't enter in legitimately. They didn't come through Jesus, the only door. Any entry to what you think is going to gain you good pasture that goes through a false shepherd will not lead to life. Only Jesus is the door to life. Anyone who claims to be caring for God's flock but doesn't enter through the door of Jesus is not a true shepherd but a thief and a robber. Anyone, he said again, anyone who holds out the prospect of a good life. I don't care if they're a religious leader, a political leader, whatever they might be. 
Anybody who holds out the prospect of a good life, of security, of, of hope, apart from a relationship with Jesus, they are a false shepherd. They cannot lead you in and out of God's pastures. The question is, who are you following? Jesus tells our, his hearers that he's the door. He saves and he leads the places we need to go. He says, I'm the door. If anybody enters through me, here's the guarantee. If you come through Jesus, if you look to him as your shepherd, if you're following him, he says, he will be saved. That's our salvation. No election, but Jesus who's elected us. He will be saved and will go in and out. And here's the cool promise. He'll find pasture. It's, it's not, D.A. Carson says, it's not the Christian doctrine of heaven that is of the myth, but the humanist dream of utopia. Everyone must come to be a part of God's people through Jesus Christ. And if they do, they will find pasture. What is pasture? That's all the things they truly need. Everything you truly need is found in Christ, but only in Christ. Any other way belongs to thieves and robbers. And here was, here's what the, any other way does. It, it, it kills, it steals, it destroys. Verse 10. But Jesus is not like that. He says, I've come that I might have life and life more abundantly. The life Jesus gives is not confining or restricting. It's liberating. It's freeing. It's abundant life. It's the kind of life that doesn't end. It's not just more life, but life to the fullest. It's life worth living at its absolute best. That's the kind of life that Jesus offers to those who follow him. And you don't have to worry about any other false shepherd because if you're following this shepherd, he gives life. He takes us in and out. He, he puts us into the sheepfold and gives us safety and security. He protects us from the wolf. He guards us in the darkness. He also leads us out to pasture to find water. He is the one who is our supply. He knows us personally, and he's the only way to the places we need. Don't be distracted into thinking that some other shepherd can offer you what you need. Only Jesus does. And he does. But here's the other thing we're going to see in verses 11 to 18. He's not just somebody who knows us, a shepherd who knows us personally. He's not just the one who's the door, who leads us in and out to the places we need. We have a shepherd who loves us ultimately. I remember back when I was in high school, I was a cashier at a grocery store named Martin's, and we would go through training, and they would tell us that, hey, if somebody comes up and they threaten you, and, and they want to take your money, if they have a gun or you know, some kind of object, they say, hey, give me all your money, then go ahead and give it to them. You know, it's, your life is not worth it. What is in your till, in your cash drawer, and this is back when people paid in cash. Um, I, I know that's an odd thing now. Now no cashier has money in their drawers because who pays in cash? But back when they paid in cash and, and we would get cash, um, we, would, we were told just give them whatever is in your cash drawer. Don't be a hero. Your, your money drawer is not worth dying for. And it made sense. And it made sense to me personally because I had no vested interest in Martin's grocery store. I didn't care how they did or whether they lost money or not. Especially because I was a teenager, I was short-sighted. I thought, well, I can find a job no matter what. And it, my future didn't depend on it, thanks be to God. I would not have given my life for Martin's grocery. There is no earthly leader 
who will give their life for those they don't value. And even a good leader may give their life, but they're not going to try, not going to do it willingly. They're going to try to avoid it if they can. But, but Jesus is not like that. He says, I lay down my life for the sheep. Jesus saw the threat coming. He knew what the threat was to his sheep. He knew there was only one way, and he decided ahead of time. This is well before Jesus' trial. This is well before the time when he would be falsely accused. This is well before the time when he would be betrayed. And Jesus says, I'm the good shepherd. I'll tell you what kind of shepherd I am. I am the shepherd that I laid down my life. He had already decided he was laying his life down for the sheep to what? To rescue them, to deliver them, to do what they could not do to save them from their sins. I think most people, if they own sheep, they probably try to protect them. You know, even King David, you see in, in, in the Bible, he, he fought against a bear. He fought against wild animals. But he wouldn't willingly give your life for a, a sheep. I mean, who would do that in the right mind? Even if sheep might have become valuable or maybe even a dear pet, a sheep is not as valuable as the life of his shepherd even, even a good shepherd might die on accident for sheep, but not on purpose. And the reality is if, if a shepherd died, then the sheep would be left even more vulnerable. If a shepherd remains dead, the sheep have no shepherd, and they're vulnerable to the wolf. And Jesus says, I lay down my life for the sheep, and I lay it down knowing I'm going to pick it up. And I'm not just any kind of shepherd. I'm the shepherd who protects sheep from the wolf. Look in verse 12. He who's a hired hand, another shepherd doesn't own the sheep, sees the wolf coming and leaves the sheep and flees. And the wolf snatches them and scatters them. Jesus didn't do that. He says, I'm not that kind of shepherd. I'm not coming here for my own good. I'm not self-promoting. I'm not trying to get something from the people. Like every other earthly leader, he's not trying to gain influence and gain power, gain notoriety. He's not self-seeking. He's not trying to get big money afterwards. He says, the hired hand acts like that. They see a wolf coming, they'll leave the sheep. A paycheck isn't worth one's life, no matter how much a shepherd likes them. He says, I'm not like that. I I don't flee. I'm not a hired hand. I care for the sheep. Don't think, don't believe the lie that Jesus is like every false shepherd you see around you. Don't believe the lie that Jesus is like a political shepherd who is self-seeking. He says, I'm not like that. You can trust me. He values the flock more than himself. He values the flock so much so that he lays down his life. And in Ephesians 5, it says, as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. We see in four times in these verses, Jesus says, I lay down my life for the sheep. In verse 11, in verse 14, in verse 17, again in verse 18, what's he trying to get across? He's trying to get across the fact that he's not self-seeking. He has your best interest at heart. He knows you personally. He knows where to lead you. He is the door. He is the way. And he lays down his life to lead you there. But there's hope because he doesn't just lay down his life. He lays down his life to pick it up again. This is a shepherd who is trustworthy. He has power over life and death. 
He's able to make us able to share in his life. He can lead us through death because he's gone through death and passed into eternal life. He is the one who lays down his life and picks it up again. He's the one who knows the way. He's the one who's able to sustain us no matter what. Not even death can hold him. And he is our shepherd. Here's the really good news for all of us who are not Jewish by birth, who are not listening to Jesus firsthand. In verse 16, he says, and I have other sheep who are not of this pasture or this fold. I must bring them also and they will listen to my voice. There'll be one flock and one shepherd. He was prophesying of the time when, when God would bring many people to himself. Revelation 7, the Apostle John later wrote, he says, I, after this I looked and behold, a great multitude that no one could number. Revelation 7 verse 9 no one can number from every nation, from all tribes and peoples and languages. You get this? This is not about one nation. This is not about your tribe. This is not about one people. It's not about one language. He says, everyone, that no one can number from every tribe, from every nation, from every people, every language, standing before the throne, before the Lamb, clothed in white robes with palm branches and crying out with a loud voice, salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. He's the one who laid his life down like a lamb, took our place so that he can lead us into eternal life. Our national identification is not what matters most. What country we are from, what ethnicity we claim is not what is the most important. What political party you support or you vote for, who your leader is right now is not what is most important. How much money you make, the security you think you have on this earth, whatever you may look to as significant, as important, it pales in comparison with this one truth, whether or not you are a part of the flock of Jesus. And if you are, a part of his flock, if you have heard his voice, you have a good shepherd. And he is the way. He is the one who leads you in and out where you find good pasture. He is the one who's your protection, who keeps you safe from the wolf. And it's a flock that's made up of all different kinds of sheep from every fold. It's a flock that's united in him. Not separate flocks divided, but his one flock. That's our hope. That's our allegiance. It's no political party. I never want to hear a Christian claim allegiance to any political party. I don't mean that you can't be a part of a political party, but our ultimate allegiance is not to a political party. That should never divide us. What your brother and sister do in their, their political efforts, it does not make them... Sheep of a different pasture. No, we all have one hope, one flock. No matter what ethnicity somebody has, no matter what background somebody has, no one else is your good shepherd and there's only one flock. No other person can replace your good shepherd. Even as pastors, as, as under shepherds, we are just part of one flock with one good shepherd. And here's the thing, if you're part of the flock of Jesus, you can be assured that the good shepherd who lays his life down for the sheep, he cares for you personally. He's not thwarted by anything. 
He knows you by name. He gives everything for you to secure you as his sheep and make you his own, a part of his flock, guarded, safe, kept secure by his good hand. And that's what, that's what the Father loves Jesus for because Jesus has fully carried out his will. The Father loves Jesus because Jesus perfectly obeyed him is what he's telling us. The Father loves Jesus because he lays down his life that he might take it up again, not that he might leave the sheep helpless, but so that the sheep have hope in his life. Not in this life, but in his life. He wasn't laying down his life and then leaving the sheep. He was specifically laying it down to take it back up again so that the sheep might have life in him and be forever secure and protected. It was to rescue the sheep, not abandon them. And he has the ultimate authority to carry out the Father's will to seek and to save the lost. We need Jesus to be our good shepherd, and we have Jesus as our good shepherd. If you have placed your faith in him, you can claim this verse for your own. We have him as our good shepherd. If you have not, then you're following a thief and a robber, someone that can never satisfy, that will only steal, kill, and destroy from you. So hear the voice of the shepherd calling you. Repent of going your own way and follow Jesus. Here's the, the big idea we need to get. Jesus is the only good shepherd we need to follow. All others lead astray. May we look to no other shepherd. May we hope in no other shepherd. May we follow no other shepherd. Amen? Let's pray. Go to the band, come up, and we'll sing afterwards. Jesus, I pray that we would have confidence that you are the only good shepherd. I pray that we would confess our need for you, our vulnerability, that we are sheep and we need you to be our shepherd. But then I pray that we would have confidence that you are our shepherd. You are the only way and that you have led us and you will lead us into good pasture. You are the one who, has, who supplies all of our needs according to your riches and your glory. You are the one who leads us to find good food and water, no other leader. And so, Lord, may we look to you alone. Lord, may we hope in you because you have laid your life down only to be raised again and that we have eternal life that is hidden with you on high. And may we look nowhere else in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's stand and sing.